KUT's next AT Explained live show is April 3rd. Brand new stories about Austin's people, places, and culture told live on stage by your favorite KUT journalists. I've never gotten any specific invites from Steiner Ranch. And that's about the time Charlie chomped down on that chicken. I will hypnotize you into securing my law services. Join us April 3rd at the Paramount Theater for KUT's next AT Explained Live. Tickets are on sale now. Get them at austintheater.org. And we'll see you there. From KUT and KUTX Studios. Hey there. You're listening to This Song, the podcast where artists talk about the songs that formed and transformed them. I'm your host, Elizabeth McQueen. And this week on This Song, we'll be hearing from Austin singer and songwriter and guitar player Jackie Venson, but... Before we get started, I want to let you know about a series that Delia Jones produced for KUTX, the radio station where we make this podcast. The series highlights African-American artists, past and present, who've helped build Austin's music scene. People like Grey Ghost, who I'd heard of, and Demita Joe, who I got to know through the series. She also profiles Gary Clark Jr., Melot, Kenny Dorham, and she profiles this week's guest, Jackie Vinson. You should definitely check out this series. You can find it on our website at kutx.org. And now to Jackie Vinson. She is an Austinite, like a real Austinite, someone who was born here and raised here, which is actually kind of rare in a city that so many people move to, but are rarely like from, you know? She started releasing music in 2013, but as you'll hear in this episode, she's been playing music for a long, long time. Jackie Vinson has made a name for herself as a singer and a guitar player, and I guess she's known for playing the blues, but she's never really stuck to, like, one genre exclusively. She's always mixed rock and reggae and pop into her music, and recently she's even brought electronic, synthy, and experimental elements into her work. She has a record coming out in April called Joy, and it brings all of those influences together. And man, I always think that I have an inkling of what song or what kind of song an artist is going to choose for this podcast. And like, I'm rarely right. For instance, I was pretty sure that Jackie Vinson would choose, you know, a blues song, which is why I was surprised to find out the actual song she chose. Don't Cry For Me, Argentina, Madonna's version from the movie uh, Evita. I heard like 20 seconds of it I was maybe seven or seven and a half years old and uh, a trailer for the movie came on the movie came out in 1998 (laughs) so I saw the trailer maybe six months before it came out and and it was the scene for Don't Cry For Me Argentina when she was like at the Casa Rosada like doing that speech you know and it just looked so awesome like I couldn't believe it it was like a trailer so like 30 seconds and I was like wow I want to see that movie Don't cry for me, Argentina The truth is I never left you All through my wild days My mad existence I kept my promise Don't keep your distance And then I saw the movie and it started off with a song. And I like got out of my seat. Me and my sister were sitting in the front row of the theater and my mom and her friends were somewhere else in the theater. We were all just, you know, doing our thing. And I went up to her and I whispered, I was like, 
mom, why, why is it, why is there a song? She's like, well, it's a musical. And I'm like, what's that? She was like, it's, it's uh, when they don't have dialogue or talking, it's when they sing instead. And then it all made sense. Like the trailer made sense. I was like, oh, I swear to God, Andrew Lloyd Webber is the greatest orchestrator when it comes to uh, French horn parts. And um, at the beginning of Don't Cry For Me, Argentina, he has the horns holding the chords and he has the strings come in with this melody. And it's like a fade in. And it's like, it's like, it's like they're breathing. When that song came on in the movie, you know, 20 years ago, 21 years ago, um, no, 22 years ago, I, uh, it just like everything went away. You know what I mean? Everything that was happening around me just like disappeared. is an incredible melody writer and I think that I always had a tendency to be attracted to catchy melodies and beautiful melodies and uh, that Don't Cry For Me Argentina melody is really beautiful. I think I discovered what I always was going to be drawn to for the first time. Do you know what I mean? Don't cry for me Argentina The truth is I kept my promise Don't keep your distance Did you leave that movie theater with this idea of like that, that I want to do that? No. Okay. no, I was pretty far away from that still. I was probably like 10 years away from that still. But I did know that I wanted to see it again and I wanted to hear it again and I wanted the CD and I wanted to listen to it in the car and I wanted to learn all about the story and I wanted to know everything about everything that I'd saw that I'd seen. I, I knew it was the only thing I wanted to listen to for the foreseeable future. And was it? Yes. I ended up watching that movie 300 times. It used to be a movie that I fell asleep to. When it came out on tape, I um, on VHS, I watched it every single night for like a year and a half. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. So I guess like 400 times. I, I became like obsessed with Andrew Lloyd Webber and his work. Not not him as a person, but like the stuff that he did. And his history, I wanted to learn like what did he do? Did he what do you mean he wrote the song? Like I wanted to know what he what do you mean by that? And it's like he wrote the melody, he didn't write the words, 
he wrote he did all the orchestrations which is really impressive because orchestrations are not easy um so i learned about all that stuff and then i learned about i just listened to the music over and over and over and over again and i'd never listened to music like that i'd always just like heard songs on the radio with my with my mom i'd never like gotten something and listened to it like a thousand times obsessively to where i can like predict every note that's about to happen in every part right and so as a result my uh my listening to music changed you know it went from just the songs on to what song is on do i like this song what's the melody is it a man singing it is a woman singing it is there a band is it solo is it is it slow is it fast uh is it sad why is it sad is it sad because of the words or is it sad because it sounds sad you know like i started listening to music differently kind of critically yeah like like with a critical ear like what am i doing and how is it working like what is this doing to me and why have i said too much there's nothing more i can think of to say to you but all you have to do is look at me to know that every word The other thing it did was, uh, like any kid, I watched a metric crapload of Disney movies. And Disney movies um, always have music in them, with like the exception of Pixar nowadays. But like, if it's a Disney movie, it's a cartoon, there's going to be songs the whole time. <laughs> Disney movies are musicals in animation form. And um, because I started listening to music differently after this whole Evita obsession, um, all of a sudden now these Disney movies I had watched a thousand times um, are doing something different to me. You know what I mean? So now I'm listening to the music of it. I'm not just watching it like mindlessly. Now I'm listening to the song. Now I'm listening to the lyrics. Now I'm listening to how the lyrics like I'm listening for every like word and realizing that I missed stuff before when I watched the movie, you know, last week or two months before. You know, I'm listening to Disney movies a little bit more critically, and I really, truly believe that's why I genre hop. (laughs) I truly believe that. I believe it's why I can't stick to one genre. Is that because Disney movies cover so many different genres? Yeah. You watch the Aristocats. Everybody wants to be a cat. Because a cat's the only cat who knows where it's at. You turn that off, you turn on Tarzan. Because you'll be in my heart. Yes, you Turn that off and turn on Princess in the Frog, which is all New Orleans jazz. It's really high quality music. If you're listening to to a jazz Disney movie, you're listening to real jazz players. And uh, as a kid, I was exposed to that. We all were. Well, and so were you also playing music at the time? No, this was like probably I, I was in that theater probably six months before I found my first like real piano teacher that I stuck with. So this was pre-piano. Oh, actually. wow. Yeah, I started piano right around like summer when I was eight. 
I was not able to just learn anything my teacher gave me. My teacher was really smart. He picked up on like the first three or four months I didn't practice at all because he would just give me a book and be like, learn page one. And I'd be like, and then he'd show me it and he'd play it for me and, and he'd get me started and then he'd send me home, right? And I hated that song. I hated it. It sucked, right? And so I wouldn't practice it. And so the first four or five months, he was like, why aren't you, you know, you come into these lessons and I get you started on these songs and everything's fine. And then you come back and it's like, you didn't do anything. And like, I was a kid, so I don't know how to articulate why, right? And uh, he's like, well, how about we just, maybe you start on a different song. And it took him a while to figure out, but eventually he figured out that I'll only practice the song if I like the song. I mean, fair enough, right? Yeah. Yeah, but like how many kids can't articulate that? Yeah. And how many adults can't hear it if they did? Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? Like, I always tell people are like, hey, I'm getting my daughter into piano lessons. I always tell people the same thing. I'm like... Number one, if they don't, if they ever talk about they don't like their teacher, quit that teacher and find a new teacher immediately as soon as possible. <laughs> How many kids quit music forever just because they had one bad teacher? Right. I don't even want to think about it. Right. Well, and what kind of songs did your teacher give you to get you to a place where you actually wanted to play piano? Um, we did this series called Piano Adventures. Highly recommended, by the way. It's like a series of like, I don't know, maybe. 20 books and they they go from like level one all the way to level 20 and basically it's simplified versions of really famous songs as soon as he realized that i would not play songs that i didn't like he'd be like okay well let's try and find a song that you do like he's like go pick a book uh from the second shelf because that's where he kept all the level ones or whatever and um and we'll go through it so i picked the piano adventure book because it has a really sweet color on the top it was like pink (laughs) or something i was like tight so he's just flipping through and he's just, he's an incredible sight reader and he's just like playing the song and he's like, you like this one? I was like, nope. And then he turned the page and he'd play the next song. He's like, you like this one? I was like, nope. And then he turned the page and he turned the song and then my eyes would dilate and then I'd get really quiet and he'd be like, you like this one, don't you? I was like, yes. Whoa. And that was the one I learned. Was it all classical music or would, no. would he play like, would he bust out a Disney song? Sometimes the Piano Adventures books did have Disney songs. Sometimes. Uh, but I never learned the Disney songs. I only learned the classical songs. <laughs> Those were the only oh, ones I ended. Yeah, I never learned them. I don't know why. <laughs> and you played <laughs> classical piano for like a long time, right? Like you went to school yeah. for it and everything. No, I didn't go to school for classical piano. I almost did. I okay. almost auditioned for Juilliard. Well, I'm glad I didn't, though. I'm glad I went to Berkeley. Did you study no, pi- no hate piano on Juilliard. at Berkeley? Ju- Juilliard's amazing, but I'm glad I went to Berkeley. Um, I did. St- I was I was a piano principal. Uh, you choose a major, but then you have a principal instrument. So I was in the piano department, but my major was actually composition and uh, studio production. Well, and we're talking a lot about <laughs> piano here. Yeah. But you are not known no. as a piano player. I'm wondering what, how, or what that transition looked like for you. Like how you got <laughs> from there to where you are now or starting to get to where you are now it was like this super intense uh very dark period in my life (laughs) berkeley was really hard um not because berkeley's not a good school it actually is a really good school or else i wouldn't have stayed (laughs) but um because i was in a different setting i was far away from home the weather was really bad and i couldn't find the right friends it was just really hard and the teachers i got were not kind to me about the fact that I couldn't play jazz and that I only played classical music. They were really mean about that. One of them was like, uh, 
I was trying to do this assignment and I had practiced it. And also keep in mind, I have like a full class load. So I probably only had like an hour to practice every day, um, which wasn't enough for learning a new genre. Right. So I would go, she would give me these assignments and be like, hey, come back and play this song in uh, voicings A, B and C. We had to learn how to play these chords in all the available positions. And I'd never been used to that. Like classical music is like, here's the notes, learn the notes, memorize them, play it right. Right? <laughs> that's that's it. Jazz is like, okay, here are all your options. Choose one at the last minute. Choose whatever feels right in the moment. How do I know what feels right? I don't know. Yeah. Listen to it. Listen to what? Everything. What? You know what I mean? Like coming from a classical point of view, there's no finite instructions, right? And I'm used to finite instructions. And obviously now, retrospect, music can't be finite. But like, that was all I knew. And the teachers didn't know how, or the teacher I had didn't know how to change that. And as a result, she was mean. And there was this one time where I practiced all week on this one song and I got it to a good point. And then she asked me to play another song that she had assigned me. And I tried to tell her that I only had time to practice the other one and I would prefer to play the other one. And she was like, well, if you can play the other one, you should be able to play this one. And I'm like, no, because I worked out the voicings and I worked out the point, the parts and I memorized them for this song. And she's like, that's not how it works. If you can do the voicings for that song, you can do the voicings for this song. And I'm like, I, I I'm don't not have, there. I, yeah, I'm like, what? <laughs> and so she's like, I just don't know why you're not getting this. I've seen you play. You can play. And I'm like, I'm, I play classical music. It's a different way of thinking. And this doesn't make sense to me. And she's like, well, if you can only play classical music, why are you even here? She literally said that. She said, and how old were you at that time? Like 19 or something? 19 or 20. Wow. Yeah. And so like, I got really depressed. You know, I thought I sucked. I did. I thought everything I had done the last 12 years learning classical piano, I thought it was a waste. I, I thought I was, re I was really depressed. And, um, I completely lost my love for playing the piano. I mean, it's interesting because you talked about, you know, what you would tell people who are getting their kids into piano, but the same rule holds true even when you've been playing piano for 10 years. Yeah. You know, a bad teacher, a person in authority telling yeah. you that you're no good. Yeah. Somebody that you respect. Can suck all the life and love out of something. Yeah. In an instant. And that's what happened. And so I ended up switching teachers at the semester, but I never got my love back. But um, I ended up losing my love for the piano as a whole, but I still loved music and I didn't want to quit music and I didn't want to get this far down the road and just like quit. And that's what made me decide to go like the composition studio production route instead of like any kind of performance or, you know, playing. Um, and then I got so tired of not playing an instrument, but I didn't want to play the piano anymore, but I wanted to play. And so I decided to pick up a new instrument and I decided that instrument would be the electric guitar. And I decided that the genre would be something completely different from anything I'd ever done. I was like, you know what? I feel like I've died and now I'm going to rebirth myself and I'm going to be totally different. <laughs> And 
And how did you settle on the blues? I like how it sounds. <laughs> I like the solos. I like the energy of like a rock trio and like the guitar player just like going into like a ripping solo with the distortion dialed all the way up. I liked the power of it. I liked how much other people liked it. Like I was like, okay, I like it because I love classical music and I love classical piano, right? But nobody else ever liked it. You know, everybody else was always just nice. They were just like, yeah, I'll listen. And they're like, if there would have been smartphones, they would have been on their phone the whole time, right? <laughs> While I was doing a recital or something, if there were iPhones then. The thing about blues, though, I felt the same way about it. I loved the, I loved the um, avenue for like making your own melody over a solo. And it didn't seem like it would be so hard. Like jazz improv is so hard and it sounds hard. You know what I mean? Like they're just playing all these crazy scales and using all these insane notes that are out but in at the same time. And, you know, like it never, it wasn't very melodic. But that thing that you heard, you know, when you saw Evita is this thing that you were still into when you were... Blues is extremely melodic. Yeah. It's extremely melodic. And so, I mean, how was, how was it going from classical piano to blues guitar? It was insanely hard. Yeah. I almost gave up like 15 times. The first two years, I couldn't even play for more than 30 minutes. I wouldn't have been able to do a set the first two years. Easy. Without buzzing chords or my hands literally failing, my muscles failing. And then the third year, I finally could get through a song, but it was really forced. It was like I had to plan it out and I had to practice it and I had to put it to a metronome. There wasn't any like, you know, just zoning out and just playing whatever my hands felt like playing. You it was know? more like classical music. It was more like classical music. I had to very focus. I had to focus very hard. And the turning point was South by Southwest. I got hired to do this trade show. It was $20 an hour. I was broke. And I was just like accepted it. And they're like, you're going to need to bring an acoustic guitar. And it's, a, uh, it's an app that teaches people how to play chords. And what you're going to have to do is just walk around the booth and demo the app for people on the acoustic guitar. And we did that for nine hours, five days. And uh, my hands got so strong. And so after that, I had I no longer had the problem of my hands failing. I could play two or three hour sets literally after that five day period. But did the strength did that allow you to kind of let go musically? Like it not- allowed me to let go um, of the focus that I had of like because like it wasn't the focus on playing the right chord. I knew what chords to play. Like the music theory was there. I knew I had to play you know one four five one. I just would focus on making my finger the right exact strength to hold down all the strings to bar it you know like I had to focus on the physicality of it I didn't have the muscles to trust that my hand was going to play the chord right but after that trade show I did when you play music when you make music um when you listen to music are you able to access that kind of early feeling you felt in that movie theater is that feeling similar kind of across the the arc of your life the feeling never went away i had that feeling for 13 years for piano the feeling went away when i told when i told you it went away in college and then the feeling came back when i like realized that i could pick up another instrument you know and then the feeling went away sometimes when on the journey of learning the guitar sometimes i was like what am i doing i already know how to play an instrument (laughs) like i've already mastered an instrument like what am i doing it would literally be easier to learn jazz piano than to learn this new instrument and um so it, it it didn't really go away I knew I knew that I had a mission but like it was like on on hold for a little while and then once I finally got the scales and the chords under my finger it, it came back as soon as I saw a glimpse of comfortability with the instrument eventual 
comfortability. You know, as soon as I had a glimpse of that, I did this one show right after that South by week. And that's when I realized that my hands had gotten so much stronger. After that glimpse, it came back in full force. That feeling is what made me pick up the guitar. You know, I read some interviews kind of leading up to this to this interview that we did, and it sounds like, uh, you know, musically you're very into melodies, but thematically you're very into kind of like being connected, connecting people to like kind of a greater consciousness. Is that yeah, and also to yeah, also to themselves. I think that um, connecting to the greater consciousness is actually connecting to yourself. I think they're the same thing. Um, I think that a lot of people are out of touch with who they are. And I think that a lot of people are out of touch with who they are because they're too busy trying to follow some kind of rules, you know, like some kind of thing that they think that they need to in order to fit in. And uh, it's like a, it's always been a problem. (laughs) I think we're going to have to evolve as a species in order to get over it, to be able to really cherish our individuality and be proud of who we are, you know, individually, not as a whole. And I think that if we can all learn to accept and love and be proud of ourselves, then we can accept and love and be proud of other people. I don't think it's possible to truly put out love unless you have it in you already. And um, like if you if you really hate yourself, it's probably going to manifest itself onto other people. You know, you don't really find very many people who do harm on others who also love themselves. If they do, they're probably sociopaths. But like usually when someone's being mean to you, especially a stranger, they probably have some terrible things going on in their lives and they probably take it on on themselves and then it probably comes out of themselves onto you. And I just think that if we can all learn ourselves better and learn to love ourselves better and learn to analyze why we feel what we feel, I think that there would be a lot less outward violence emotionally and physically. Do you, do you want to let people know about that journey because it's kind of a journey that you went on yourself? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> The, uh, a lot of the depression, I was like, she, everyone at Berkeley is a jazz cat, right? And, uh, it always was. So for a classical pianist to go to a jazz school was a fish out of water situation for me, but I didn't realize it was a fish out out of water thing. I thought it was my fault. You know, I had all these years that I could have been practicing. I knew what the real book was. I could have gotten a jazz teacher. I could have taken it seriously and I could have come to this school prepared, but I didn't. Instead, I you know, did this useless old music that nobody wants to hear. These are all thoughts. I don't feel that way now, but these were all thoughts at the time when I was kind of at my low. You know, I was like not proud of what I had done, you know, which is insane. I should have been proud of what I'd done, but I didn't fit in. So I didn't know how to draw that out of myself, you know. So instead, I kind of let everybody else get to me. But how do you learn not to let people get to you? Uh, otherwise, you know, how how else do you learn how not to let that happen? You got to let it happen in order to learn what it is. So glad I did. But unfortunately, I feel like some people let it happen and don't learn what it is. And then they get in a loop. They keep letting it happen. And that's what I mean about the whole being proud of who you are and what you've done. Summertime. Spring has come and gone. Golden rays of light. 
This is I Will Find a Way from Jackie Vincent's upcoming record, Joy. And man, she found a way. She found a way into music and into piano and through crushing self-doubt and past learning guitar. She found a way into this music she makes now. And now she's ready to share what she's learned with the world. Like, I can't think of a better way to approach making music. And for you Austinites, just a little inside Austin tidbit. The theater where she first saw Evita, where she first heard Don't Cry For Me Argentina, well, that was in the same building where straight music is today, on Lamar. It's a music store that she frequents pretty regularly, which there's definitely something in there. And it didn't make it into like the final edit, but I just wanted you to know Jackie is throwing a big party on April 12th at the Paramount Theater in Austin, Texas, to celebrate the release of Joy. And if you want to go, you should grab your tickets, because I checked, and they are going quickly. You can find a ticket link to the show on the show notes page for this episode at kutx.org. You can also find a link to Delia Jones' series for Black History Month profiling African-American Austinites who helped build our music scene. And as always... You'll be able to find a Spotify playlist there where you can listen to all the songs we referenced in this episode all the way through. And that's it. You have come to the end of another episode of this song. This song is a production of KUTX 98.9 in Austin, Texas. This episode was produced by Art Lee and me, Elizabeth McQueen. Thanks to our intern, Felix Kimball, for his feedback on this episode. And thanks to Deidregat and Peter Babb and Todd Callahan for all they do for this podcast. And yes, it is true. Our theme song is Mahout by Austin's own Hard Proof. Right on. Thanks for listening. Talk to you next time.